Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. This is Julie Henrik, is Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I wanted to pop in here for a quick reminder that from June 1st through July 31st, our Pride Award submissions are open. The Pride Award is for emerging LBGTQIA plus authors who write in the crime genre. Information is on sistersincrime.org's website and also in the show notes for this episode. Please spread the word. Let anyone know you don't have to be a Sisters in Crime member to submit your materials. Uh, And we're really looking forward to supporting new voices in the crime writing field and new LBGTQIA plus voices. So June 1st through July 31st, check it out on sistersincrime.org. It's not for members only. Thanks so much. Hello, it's Julie Henricus, Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Winnie M. Lee to the podcast today. Winnie is an author and activist. Her latest novel, Complicit, draws from her earlier career in the film industry. It was a New York Times editor's choice and listed amongst the best crime novels of 2022 by Crime Reads and the Irish Time. It's also been shortlisted for the Royal Society of Literature's Encore Award for Outstanding Second Novel. A Harvard graduate, she previously wrote for travel guidebooks, produced independent feature films, and programmed for film festivals. Her debut, Dark Chapter, won the Guardian's Not the Booker Prize, was nominated for an Edgar Award, and translated into 10 languages. She is currently adapting it for the screen. Driven by her own experiences of rape, Winnie advocates publicly around sexual violence and consent and holds an honorary doctorate of law from the National University of Ireland in recognition of her writing and activism. A New Jersey native, Winnie has lived and worked abroad for over 20 years, primarily in England. Winnie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Well, I'm very excited to have this conversation. As we said before we started recording, congratulations on this Best Second Novel nomination. That's exciting. But I want to start from the beginning. Um, And as I always do on this podcast, when did you say to yourself, I want to write a novel? I think when I was six, I always wanted to write. (laughs) And, um, you know, by six, I was like, I want to write a book. Um, obviously, it took a long time for that to happen. But uh, yeah, from a really early age, I wanted to be a writer. Wow, that's impressive. I, I don't know that at six, I understood people wrote books. I thought it was sort of something magic that happened in the library. But um, so well, tell me about how this worked. Did you um, take creative writing classes? Did you, you know, you know, how did you sort of hone your craft over time? Um, I mean, I didn't really have any craft when I was six, um, <laughs> but I did have a mother who um, made me write. A, she, she made me keep a diary every day. So she, like at, at night, she's like, you have to write half a page in your diary every day from the age of six. And I hated it at first um, and really resisted. And then 
I don't know, something happened somewhere along the way. I think about like a month or two months in, then I suddenly wanted to write. Um, so, you know, and I will, I think I've kept all my diaries. I will never really go back and look at them because they're incredibly boring when I was writing at six. But um, I think it was just uh, somewhere along the way that grew into something more than just like the report of we went shopping today with mom and my right. sister. Um, so I think, I don't know, I'd say by my, you know, shortly after that, I started writing a lot of short stories, like for, you know, first grade and second grade, that kind of thing. And they weren't, again, they weren't very good. I don't know if I've ever kept any of them. Um, but by like the time I was about 13 or so, I was probably writing kind of, I don't know, essays or that sort of thing. Um, and which, uh, again, I don't think I've ever kept, but it was just this thing about being able to see the world in a different way and like kind of record my thoughts and all that. Um, so uh, I'd always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to write books. Um, my mom never, you know, she encouraged me to do that, but not pursue it as a career because she said it's it's not very lucrative. Um, and she was <laughs> right about that. Um, so, you know, at one point I wanted to be a journalist when I was in high school. And then I think when I got to college, it was like, I want to be a literature professor. So it was always something about books and storytelling. Um, and then, um, I actually ended up working in the film industry, um, just through kind of a a combination of things. I mean, obviously I loved film, I'd never considered working in film before because it's a very mystified industry, um, which is what my which is what Complicit is about in a lot of ways. Um, and so I worked in the film industry in my 20s. Um, and so but at the same time, I always loved writing. So I was trying to write a novel when I was also, you know, assisting a producer um, in, for a film production company. Um, and then eventually, you know, a number of things happened in my 20s that uh, which you've alluded to in my bio, which kind of made me realize, like, actually, you know, I should kind of after if you experience a traumatic um, exp- uh, kind of event like I did in my life, uh, it kind of forces you to reassess your um, your own life and what's important to you. And mm-hmm. I'd always want to write. By that point, I had started to try to write a novel. Um, but by the time I got around to writing a novel, it was post that traumatic event. It was post my rape. And I just realized I needed to write the book about that. So um, yeah, so in some ways, writing was a very deep passion of mine from a very young age and an ambition I always wanted to pursue. But I never actually started to pursue it until... Until my, my my late twenties and my early thirties, um, when I realized that's you know that was my passion and life is short, and um, might as well just go for the stuff you want to do. Right, and and so we can talk some more about this about um, because you're going to be doing a a, a webinar uh, for Sisters in Crime also about this about uh, writing trauma and how to mm-hmm. you know do it well and also how to take care of yourself while you're doing it. But you know, just going back to the conversation you were working in film and you said I'm, I want to write this novel because you know life is short which I think of a few people many people have that sort of okay what am I waiting for let me let me do this um but those are two different uh skill sets you know <laughs> writing mm-hmm. working in film I mean it's story but it's the structure is different and everything else how did you um, go about developing the novel and and sort of working through that? Or was it as you were writing it, were you learning and also working through some things? How did that, how did you tackle the novel? So it's been quite different. I mean, I've written two novels now um, and I'm on my third. And it, the process was really different for the between the two novels. So the first one, Dark Chapter, was 
it was very I mean it was a fictional reimagining of my own real life rape um seen equally from the viewpoint of myself the victim and the perpetrator who I didn't know and he was a stranger um and still was a stranger right um so in some ways it was it was almost felt a little bit like writing nonfiction because I was taking a real life incident and yeah. then kind of developing fictional elements of it an entirely kind of fictional perspective um so I didn't really have to do so there was a like creation of character um, in, you know, when I was creating the, the perpetrator's character, Johnny. Um, but there was also, um, you know, when I was writing the sections that are Vivian, who is the me character, um, it wasn't as heavy a, a fictional, um, task as, as writing a, a novel completely out of scratch. Um, so that was really different from writing complicit. Um, and I guess, like, I mean, you're right in that film, writing for film and writing for the screen is, is a very, very different, um, uh, practice in a very, very different language mm-hmm. writing novels. Um, but I think, you know, when I was working in film, I was a script, uh, you know, I was a script editor. So I was a development executive. I was working with other writers on improving their scripts and not actually writing my own. And then I was also largely a producer, um, or assisting a producer and then an associate producer. And that's not really artistic. That's very much like project management yeah. in all sorts of different ways. Um, so those project management skills have actually helped quite a lot as an author, um, having to prevent myself and, you know, come up with events and network. Um, but the story stuff, um, I don't know. I would say it's quite instinctive. Like I didn't, you know, I took a creative writing master's course in, in the UK. Um, and that was a quite literary course. So it was very much about voice and character, not so much about plot. Um, so that was really about kind of immersing yourself in reading other work and kind of absorbing that and then, you know, working on, developing the voice um of your own um of your own uh, novel um so you know it certainly helped to have you know a year or two where i was uh, you know i'd quit my job by then because i was really focused on i was like you know what i mean it's, it's kind of the exact opposite of people said which is like don't quit the day job i quit my day job um because life is short and i'm like i'm gonna put all my eggs in one basket which is the i'm gonna write a book basket um and i you know i said i'd give myself a year and a half and i'd do this uh, masters and you know if it didn't work out i could always go back and get a job um but i loved just having all the time in the world i mean so to speak and at the time i was single i didn't have kids where all i was thinking about was this book um Mm -hmm. and there was just so much creative freedom in that compared to having you know this job in film which sure was creative um but at the same time where i was always kind of at the beck and call of a boss um so i love that you know yeah i don't know if that answers your question so there wasn't any specific thing about craft it was just about kind of absorbing and learning everything um yeah and for me also writing crime fiction that was never my intent i sort of just went into it writing something quite raw and personal which Mm -hmm. happens to be about a crime um, and then in the process of writing that novel and my subsequent novels, I kind of found myself in the crime writing community. So that was a pleasant surprise, but you know, that was also never my intention as well. So, um, yeah. So crime writing, I mean, with the first novel, I, I understand, you know, that it became, uh, that it was a crime because it was a crime novel. Um, but the, do you, what about the genre attracts you, uh, you know, in writing the second book? And is your third book also a crime novel? I, d- I mean, when I was writing my second book, I'm like, I'm de- it's not going to be a crime novel. I'm definitely going to write this. And it's just, <laughs> and then it, I mean, some, a lot of it's marketing. Obviously, your publisher decides to sell it as crime. It's described as a thriller. 
would I call the thriller? I'm not sure. You know, there's a mystery there. So, you know, at the end of the day, in the beginning, I was very much like, this is not going to be a crime novel. And then I found out, you know, my publisher was still selling it as crime. Um, and now that I effectively read a lot of crime and I'm, I guess I'm writing crime novels, um, when I go back and I read more literary stuff or things that aren't in the genre, I do, I'm often like, where's the plot, right? And like, so I'll read like really beautiful literary um, novels, which, you know, astound me in terms of the use of language. But oftentimes I, I do find they're, they're lacking a certain kind of forward momentum in the plot, which I miss. Um, and so for me, it's always interesting as somebody who maybe writes slightly on the more literary side of crime yeah. novels. Uh, you know, uh, the language is important to me, like character relationships and like realism and believability is really important to me. But then I also just I do need some plot <laughs> to keep me going. Um, so I enjoy writing suspense. And that's not something I realized at the time. But now I'm like, oh, no, actually, yeah, like suspense is what I like writing, not in a sensationalist way, but in a way where it's this expensive you know, how is a, what does the character walking into and what do they realize or what is it that the reader knows that the character doesn't know? So the different ways in which we kind of like tease readers' expectations. Um, I am interested in that. Um, and that's something I didn't really realize until I started, I guess, reading more widely. Well, it's such a wide genre and there's so mm. so many uh, parts of it. A friend of mine, Kate Flora, says that uh, literary is just another genre. <laughs> but when you were, you said that you were in a program in the UK for creative writing and, and many programs um, are not super genre supportive yeah. or, or happy about those, you know, do, was, did, was there a genre bias when you're in that program? Um, there's definitely anti-genre bias. Like it yeah. was, and it wasn't overtly stated. Um, just that all the things we were reading, all the writers we were kind of exposed to, or guest writers that came, pretty much were writing very literary or poetry, right? Um, so uh, yeah, uh, or you know, or literary nonfiction. Um, and so all of those things I really enjoy reading. Um, and I don't think anybody was actually writing anything genre there, or or we certainly weren't encouraged to. Um, but there wasn't really a poo-pooing to it. What I do find interesting um, is that, you know, a lot of those programs you described are very literary focused and uh, maybe have a bias against genre, but at the same time, by and large, the publishing industry is driven by genre yeah. books, right? Um, right. So, um, yeah, so in some ways... Uh, are those programs kind of missing out by by subtly directing their students to not write genre? Um, yeah, and so then when Dark Chapter started being published as genre, I started going to these crime writing festivals as we have in the UK, and I'm like, wow, there's there's like entire festivals dedicated to crime writing, whereas um, you don't necessarily find that for literary, or you know, with literary, right. it's kind of you know mixed in with a lot of other things, but. Um, but yeah, there's an entire infrastructure for crime writers and readers in the publishing world, um, which doesn't necessarily exist in other ways for other genres or, or other kinds of um, types of writing. Um, and I don't know much about the UK publishing. I, I know many um many writers, <laughs> certainly, that I read um, who, are, who uh, publish there. But um I'd imagine it's it's the same anywhere where getting published is its own thing and staying published is another thing. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, the writing journey and the publishing journey are two separate yeah. endeavors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And and it's quite easy to get uh, frustrated <laughs> about yeah. both aspects of the journey. And I think until you get published, 
you know, you have this dream of being published and then you're like, oh, there's actually a lot more work and there's like a really steep learning curve and, and you're still learning. And, uh, you know, my second book is coming out, is about to come out in paperback, working on my third. Um, and, you know, with every book, it's a different learning journey. Um, also, because with every book, you know, depending on how you switch, if you switch up your agent, or you switch up your publisher, that's a whole new set of relationships to have to learn. Um, yeah. So um, that's stuff they don't teach you about. They don't teach you in creative writing masters. Oh, and yeah. the business, well, the business part of uh, and and the opportunities of as you're writing to give yourself more things that challenge you, like you you know, and but it sounds like you your first novel was a challenging novel to write, so you you just you started out challenging yourself, and then you mm -hmm. keep challenging, keep challenging um, as you're moving forward. Yeah, and I think that's the only way that I would be interested, right? Um, which is maybe you know I. I, I, you know, I've thought about do I would I want to write kind of a, a franchise or a recurring character because mm -hmm. obviously, especially in crime fiction, that's such a such a big part of the, the books that are out there. And and I don't know if I'd, I currently I don't know if I'd find that interesting enough if I if I'm like for every book if I'm writing the same character, obviously different different plots. Um, I don't know if I would find that artistically interesting enough. So I kind of always want to sort of mix things up, I suppose. Um, but, you know, I've, I've also lived abroad. I travel a lot. Like, I, I kind of slightly not sure about stability or, or things being the same. Um, so I kind of like things being different every time. So, uh, so yeah. Um, so I think, and with my books as well, I'm always trying to, like, tackle, like, similar themes, but slightly, but quite different premises. And, and even the styles of my books actually change a fair amount as well. So talk to me a little bit about your process. Um, you, you know, use the book you're working on, or you could talk about Complicit. Um, how do you, or you talk about your first novel, although, you, you know, that, that, that had an idea that, that, you know, how do you, how do you come up with the idea? Like, what's your process for developing the book um, from the first idea down to when you start writing? Do you plot? Like, tell me about the process. Yeah, I, I am not a plotter. <laughs> um, so I'm a pantser. Uh, but I generally, by the time I sit down to write a book, I've had the idea knocking around in my head for at least six months, maybe more like a year. Um, dark chapter, obviously, is a bit of an anomaly because you know, my assault happened in... 2008, I sat down to write the book in 2013, um, but obviously I had to recover from a violent rape yeah, in the meantime. Yeah. Right? Um, so for me, it was about, you know, it being the right time in my, in my life to sit down and write that. Um, and so with Complicit, um, let's see, I sat down to write it summer of 2018. Um, I, I kind of dedicated, there was a day where I'm like, this is the final event of my Dark Chapter book tour, which was this TEDx talk in London, live in front of two and a half thousand people. It was terrifying. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, this is the final event. And then the next day I started writing Complicit. Um, so, <laughs> but again, that's a thing, you know, with a second novel, you suddenly, you feel much more pressure to have to like, to get on with writing the second novel, whereas the first novel you have all the time in the world because no one's expecting anything from you, right? Um, so there's that time pressure, you know, as your career progresses. Um, but yeah, with Compulsive, I started writing it July 2018, but I thought of the idea maybe November, December 2017, right? So again, it'd been knocking around in my head. I was just, and so, you know, I was, maybe I had, I had a notebook where I was like taking a few notes and I sketched out characters and premises and stuff, but 
for me, it is very much about actually just sitting down and writing it because the voice doesn't come out until you start writing. Um, and voice is like quite important in my writing. Uh, the characters I will have thought of at least, but again, the character relationships don't really get fleshed out until you write a scene. Um, so, uh, but complicit again, you know, I, I wrote it because I'm like, again, feeling that time pressure. I'm like, oh, I think I can probably write this quite quickly because I've worked in the film industry. You know, it's yeah. complicit to sold as a Me Too thriller, which is set in the film industry. Um, so, uh, like, I'm like, I don't have to do any research because I already know what film is like. Um, and some of the characters are kind of loosely inspired by people I know. So, again, there was like a little bit less work in terms of having to write from scratch. Um, so I'm like, okay, I can write this quite quickly. And then, of course, you know, I met somebody who got pregnant and then COVID happened, right? So that became quite drawn out. Um, so, but I ended up, I did do more drafts of, co of, um, complicit than I did the dark chapter, partly because by that point I was more disciplined and I realized actually you do need to put a manuscript through more drafts for it to get to a better stage. Um, I think, you know, in terms of that publishing journey with Dark Chapter, we prob probably went out a bit too early to publishers and I could have mm -hmm. revised it a bit more. Um, so the Complicit, I did um, probably about four drafts before we shopped it around. Um, so that took me between July uh, 2018 and, you know, October, 20, uh, July 2020. But during that time, obviously, I had a baby and there was COVID. So, um, yeah. And then obviously my third novel is completely different because I'm in contract. So I'm not, I don't have that shopping around. It, the, the novel doesn't have to be, the manuscript doesn't have to be as perfect. I'm not sure it to editors because, you know, we're not trying to get a deal because we really have one. Um, so here with the third one, it's been a lot more kind of drawn out by just, you know, editors moving around within your publishing house and editors yeah. taking a long time to get back to you, which I don't necessarily mind because I have a lot of other projects now at this point. So I'm adapting Dark Chapter into a screenplay. So that's another thing I'm working on. Um, I have, I've had this PhD I've been working on, not in creative writing, <laughs> a different topic, um, since 2015. So that's been going on in the background and now that's wow. actually due in February and then also promoting Complicit. So I've got a lot more projects I'm juggling. Plus now I, I have a three-year-old, right? So mm -hmm. I'm juggling a lot more projects now compared to when I was working on Dark Chapter. Um, so having long stretches of time between notes from my editor is fine with me. Um, so again, like I, I, the third one, which I think is sensibly called Mother Road, um, that'll be out probably in 2025 and I will have started writing it in, I guess, 2022. So it, again, it ends up being, you know, mm -hmm. about kind of three years between from start to finish. Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, okay. So did that answer your question? I guess that was more about time frame. It wasn't really process. Well, time frame, but it's a little bit about process too. They, yeah. they, you know, I, I love when I uh, heard you say that when, you know, your first novel, you might've gone out too early and that you realize yeah. as you develop as a writer, writing more drafts is actually okay. I mean, that may be what it needs to take. I think that that's a gift for people to hear yeah. um, that, you know, no, 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 it's not, it's not a good book for a while. And sometimes you have to put it away, especially that first book can get overworked so easily. Yeah. And I, so I think what I've realized now and my third novel, again, like process is really different because there's, it's, it's three point of view characters. It was four, I've cut it down to three. Um, it, it's about a road trip, um, between these three characters. I did the road trip with my 
partner and toddler. Um, obviously, they're not the characters. It's three adult siblings in the, in the book, right? But I did the road trip in 2021. And at this point, autumn 2021, the book won't come out until 2025. So it's like kind of a long stretch of time. But at the same time, I, I think you do need those stretches of time for the material to marinate. Um, and yeah. there's generally like quite a few months between me finishing a draft and rereading it. Um, and by that point, you go back to it and you're like, nah, this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this doesn't work. And I'm not, at this point, I'm really not precious about my material. Like if it doesn't work, I just throw it out. So yeah. between the second and the first and the second draft, I threw out like 30,000 words uh cut out a point of view character um put in a whole kind of backstory plot which i wove in you know so it's kind of but it's in the surface of writing a service of writing a better book so um yeah you just kind of become a bit more ruthless about what's working and what isn't working and you know you yeah the process of writing stuff isn't necessarily the right stuff that ends up in the manuscript it's just to write your way towards a character write your way towards a scene i think when you got rid of that fourth point of view character, did the character remain a character in the book or did you completely get rid of them? No, she's in the book. It's just that it's originally it was the three grown up siblings and one of their partners. And then we're like, actually, it's going to just crystallize like the, you know, if it's about siblings that grew up together and then it's yeah. about having to go on a road trip now in their 40s, like that, you know, that relationships, those relationships and the richness of those relationships is just crystallized a lot more if it's just the three of them on a road trip. So, yeah, so she's still in it a little bit, but she's no longer a point of view character and, she, you know, her partner calls her every once in a while, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, for me, it, it just made sense to obviously just like keep it to the three siblings. And is it a road trip in the UK or is it a road trip in the States? The US, yeah. Yeah, and the funny thing is, um, you know, despite having lived abroad for my whole adult life, I mean, at this point, I've been abroad for over 20 years. I don't think I could write a British point of view character. Um, I mean, I could try, but like, you know, why, right? You know, (laughs) so I'm always quite interested in displacement and there's always some kind of some element of like American, British, American, Irish kind of um, overlap. So, you know, in Dark Chapter, obviously the main the me character is an American woman who has lived in London and Ireland. Um, in Complicit, the baddie is a British man who lives in the UK, who lives in the US and has vast amounts of wealth. And so he's a wine scene like character if wine scene were, were British and, and posh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and in Mother Road, um, you know, one of the characters, the youngest sibling is the black sheep of the family who moved from California to London. So that kind of like displacement and that sort of mm-hmm. cultural gap that you're trying to bridge. I feel like I know that well enough to write, but I don't know if I would want to write something or felt like I could write well enough from the point of view of a British character, right? Um, cause I just, the, the, like the thought process is so different, right? The attitude is so different that British people have to Americans. So, um, yeah. So increasingly, I just kind of feel drawn to kind of exploring America more from, you know, from this perspective of a, of a displaced American. Um, so yeah, it is about, um, three adult siblings that have to go on a road trip across America, um, from, uh, and they do Route 66. So, um, but they all live in different places. So the brother lives in, in Chicago. The sister or the oldest sister lives in Boston and, um, the youngest sister lives in London, in uh, London, so they all have to meet up in Chicago and drive to California to see their ailing mother. Um, so yeah, so for me, it was just having to, and then having to see America from the three different points of view. Yeah. Um, for me, it was like quite important, quite interesting, really. Yeah. 
Sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're, you know, you find these themes, you find these stories, you you write them, you write several, um, several drafts. Um, but you're you're adapting your novel into a screenplay. And you yeah. mentioned earlier that you used to help writers yeah. on their screenplays. So yeah. how's this going for you, Winnie? Are you able to like step out of yourself and give yourself the advice you used to give people who were stuck in screenplays? I would find that so hard to do, but you're obviously doing it. Well, I don't give myself the advice. Like at this point, I'm the person writing the screenplay and somebody else is giving me the advice. So it's actually quite, ha- it's not too dissimilar from having, you know, the, the author, the author book editor relationship. So here I'm the screenwriter and then they'll have a script editor comes in and gives me advice or, and you know, it's different with film because, um, especially if you're, if you're writing something and being paid for doing it. And if it's an independent film production company, um, they have to find the funding to pay you um, to get any work done. So again, that's been spread out. I've been doing it for two years because the production company like finds a bit of money and they pay me to do like a draft or a draft and a half or you know a draft, and then they find a bit more money and then they pay. So they pay me to do a bit more work. So there could be like six months in between those drafts, um, which again is good for the project. Or yeah. good, I mean, uh, up to a certain point, it's good to have that kind of time away from the project. But um, yeah, I've I worked with two script editors, uh, a development exec, and the producer over the past two years on this project, and they all come with slightly different styles of editing. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess what I've found is because I've already written the novel, on, which is, again, a novel inspired by my own real life, um, by this point, I'm like, I'm a little bit tired, frankly, of the material, but creatively, I'm really enjoying the process of turning it into screenplay. Um, but because I've already written a novel, I'm like, well, that was, that was my, that was my artistic statement on this project, right? And that's a 400 page novel. And no matter what, if you write a 120 page screenplay, it's never going to encompass all the material of a novel. So like, if people want to read my full novel, that's what I have to say. And now, yeah, I'm being paid um, to turn to write the screenplay. Of course, I'm very close to the material, and of course, I have a sense of ownership over it. Um, but I'm not as precious about the screenplay. Um, so, at the same time, you know, part of me was like, well, I didn't have to write the screenplay, but of course, I'm going to write it because yeah. it's something I've always wanted to do, and it's my trauma. So, if anyone is going to present, like, represent it, I want that person to be me, or at least when I have the first go at it. So. Um, yeah, so it's been interesting because a script writer might come to me with some comments and and sometimes I might agree with them or not, but I'll be like, okay, well, I'll try it and see if it works. And then afterwards, we'll be like, nah, it didn't work or be like, it kind of worked and we'll save this bit. Um, So so I've actually that kind of attitude of, of brought into writing my novels where you're like, okay, let's try this and I'll write it. And if it doesn't work, well, at least we explored it, right? So I've become much less precious about my material in general. I think over the past um, few years, um, but yeah, I th- I've found the script writing process has been really helpful, just in general, in terms of um, I guess honing my craft as a novelist because you yeah. make yourself be much more uh, kind of brutal about how how important a scene is or it isn't. Right. Right? If a scene isn't important, just throw it out, right? And they always use these terms like, "Is the scene doing enough heavy lifting?" or "Is this one line of dialogue, yeah. you know, telling us enough about the characters?" You have to be so economical with with dialogue and with your scenes that I've kind of brought that similar attitude to um to writing novels, um, which is what you don't necessarily get with literary novels, obviously. 
Well, I also find, uh, you know, having attempted to write uh, a play and a screenplay at some point in my life, uh, you know, it's not being able to tell the backstory. It's not being able to do the inner monologues. It's just that's why I I, I marvel at people who can do it, because that is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know, but again, uh, screen, you know, with screenplays, you know, you also have to trust your director and, and the other yeah. and the actors if it ever gets made, because you're like, okay, there's so much in the acting that somebody could bring it to put into exactly. a character. Um, but now it's like, when I watch movies, you're always like, oh, there's always that scene where like they, the camera pans over somebody's bookshelf in a room. So you can get a glimpse of their frame photographs. You can get a glimpse of their backstory. And that's like <laughs> the only way you're able to pick up that they have like three sisters or that kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) or that they're a slob and that they can't you know they don't wash their dishes so it's like (laughs) oh some character information (laughs) yeah (laughs) so what's the you know you've been through all this and all this training as a writer but you know what's the best and the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten and you know what what do you tell people what's the writing advice you give people um, I mean, the worst piece of advice, and I don't know if I'd say it's worse, but, it, you know, this thing where it's like, a, you know, to wait for inspiration, right? Um, or like when the moment is right. And the thing is, actually, if you're writing a novel, or if you're, you know, working professionally as a writer, and you have to deliver a project, like, you know, I mean, there's like, I feel like half the days, I don't feel like writing, right? But it really is about kind of like, sitting down in front of your mirror and like making yourself like create some put some words on the page. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, it, it, fine, it, it is, it, it is possible. I have a piece coming out in, in Lit Hub about like the ideal writing space. And like, I've never had that. Like, I don't even have my own desk, right? You know, so, um, so in some ways, like, you, you can't actually sit and wait for the perfect moment to write because like that, it, that rarely exists. And so you kind of just have to make the writing calm, right? And so it mm-hmm. is actually kind of like forcing yourself to write. Um, and I, I always get annoyed when non-writers are like, oh, how do you, how do you wait for inspiration? I'm like, you don't wait for inspiration. You just, you just churn it out, right? And then somewhere in the process, like, when I'm writing first draft to go back a bit, go back a bit about process. Um, when I'm writing first draft, it, it is very much like every day I gotta be writing and like putting something onto the page. So. I mean, I'll, I'll take the weekend off, but it's like ideally nine in the morning. I'm I'm in front of Scrivener, and I, you know I have to write at least a thousand words right a day for it to, for me to feel like I'm doing anything right. Um, so like you know, but that that is discipline, right? And I you know most of those, some of those times like I start writing and like the first half, twenty minutes, I'm like God, this is terrible. But like another twenty minutes goes by, I'm like, no, actually it's a halfway decent scene. So, but that kind of um, regularity is actually what creates the scenes and creates the material and that's probably mm-hmm. terrible the first time around but at least you have something to work with um so and then that's why the subsequent revisions are so important but unless you're actually like putting words on the page every day or in a regular way you're never going to get like the hundred thousand words mm-hmm. or the ninety thousand words you need to have a novel um so the thing about waiting for inspiration i i don't agree with um best piece of writing piece of writing advice um I guess to change perspective, to change things up. So somebody always, people would say like, oh, if you're stuck, try writing the scene from a different character's perspective or, or like try like flipping or twisting something like, uh, you know, try writing it in a different tense or um, gender flipping the character or whatever, but always like kind of twisting things a little bit. Um, 
And so that change of perspective I do find interesting um, because I think it, it does it does really kind of challenge us. Um, and, and generally, if you shift perspective a little bit, um, then that does give you a, a fresh way to, to approach material. So, um, yeah. Well, and when you, you talked about writing in three different points of view, I'm going to go mm. back to that just because I okay. find this so, I can't even imagine it. Um, <laughs> um, did you, do you write one point of view all the way through and then weave in the second and then weave in the third? Or did you, as you're in Scrivener, it's like today I'm writing from his point of view. Today I'm writing from the expat's point of view. Today I'm writing, from, you know. Yeah. And so then you just thought this scene's going to be from her point of view or I'm going to make myself a note and say I have to change it later because it would be better from his. Yeah, and so I think, and it's interesting because again, the three novels being quite different. So the first one, it was um, it was present tense. It was mm -hmm. the chronology just moved forward, right? So you you had you saw the two characters from like quite. There's a little bit in the beginning where it's like the prologue, right? But then you you start with the characters quite young, and then you just move forward in time, right? But I was constantly moving back and forth between Vivian and Johnny. Um, second novel was all first person, almost all first person, but it was um, Sarah, the main character of Complicit, um, at 29. And then you see her from her early 20s when she's starting, no, at 39, and then you see her in her early 20s when she's starting her um, journey working in the film industry, right? Because So when she's 39, she's approached by a New York Times reporter who asks her about this producer she once worked with, and that triggers three interviews. So again, it was like three act structure. And in between each of those interviews, I had like bits of the present day moment. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was this very kind of jaded, like quite angry 39 year old voice. And then this um like excited, um, naive, like 20 something character, but the same character. Um, so again, that was like fine one character, but it was in dialogue with each other. Right. Um, and so with the three characters, um, again, it's present tense and um yeah, it's, I, I'm constantly, so I'm moving forward in time, but also, well, no, because there's also a backstory, but anyway, so, uh, but the, the main, the main thrust of the novel is you're moving from, uh, from Chicago to, to LA. So you're moving, you know, what is that? Like east to west. I just think for a moment there, you're moving <laughs> east to west and I'm, and I'm moving between the three points of view at the same time. And it's the dialogue between the three points of view, which drives my creative writing process, right? So if I were to write one character all the way through and then the other one, that it just wouldn't work, right? So it's basically, they're always playing off of each other. So, you know, they get to Indiana, something happens in Indiana. No, they don't. Indiana isn't even in Route 66. So they, okay, so they get to St. Louis, for example. <laughs> Something happens in St. Louis, um, and you see it from one character's point of view, and then, and then you move forward to the next scene, but the next scene is the next character's point of view. So you don't, I don't actually tend to replay scenes. I'm always moving forward in the plot, but you're skipping to the next character. Um, so yeah, and for me, it's that dialogue between characters and what they say to each other and what they're thinking internally about each other, which is kind of the most interesting thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so you also mentioned earlier that you have a toddler, you have a three-year-old and, uh, you know, making time every day and balancing. I think it's it's great for people to hear um, that it's perfect doesn't exist and that, you know, you, you can, you got to figure this out, um, even with the incredible demands of a small person who um, doesn't understand probably all the time 
<laughs> about yeah. you know boundaries <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean my secret is my partner is, is is the main care right um and that was just kind of he lost his job during COVID so kind of it, it, whereas during COVID I could keep writing um so that's kind of what happened obviously at some point well our toddlers I mean he's three so three and a half so he's hopefully gonna go to school soon right so um be easier for my partner to go back to work that way um so, I mean, my secret is basically I'm not, I'm not the main carer. Yeah. Um, but then, um, but, but I am also then the main person earning money, um, which has a whole other level of, of responsibility yeah. Yeah. Um, to it. But then, um, yeah, I guess for me, it's just about realizing like, okay, the author life isn't just about writing, right? So I'd say actually in the day-to-day of all the work I do, like 30% of that is writing. I wish it were 60. I wish it were 90, right? Because I like the writing the best, but... A lot of it is, you know, emails and project management and, you know, recording podcasts and promoting and and stuff like that um, or reading other people's work. So that's all um, that takes up a lot of time. But like those are all different tasks that some of which I can do alongside my toddlers and which I can do depending on what time of day it is. Right. So actual writing, I need, you know, complete silence, ideally. So that I do, you know, when my toddler's in nursery or if I really, really need a time, some time away, I'll ask my partner, like, I'm just going to go to the library for an hour, right? Um, but the actual, when I'm writing first draft, uh, yeah, generally an hour, certainly two hours is enough to get the thousand or two thousand words I want to get done for first draft. So like, at least now I have it down to being like, okay, I'm going to write my thousand words a day, give me an hour in a cafe, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to editing and rewriting, it's a bit more demanding because you can't really do it in one hour chunks. Um, so that, that's been quite painful for me, um, to have to figure out that, but your struggles where you get done somehow. Um, sometimes I do it, you know, uh, you do it late at night when the kid's in bed or, and if, when I'm in like kind of final stages of trying to get a draft ready, I'll generally go away for like 48 hours, um, stay at a friend's house or get the hotel room somewhere um and that and i all i do is i just work on it and i eat and sleep um but that kind of complete um kind of escape is necessary um yeah i wish i can go on my writing retreats and I, i'd love you know i don't even have a writing room so i'd love to have like a writing room with a desk and that would be amazing but you know i have managed to get two and a half novels done so yeah. far so you yeah. know once i get that desk i'm gonna be even more productive hopefully. <laughs> or else it's gonna stop you and it's going to block you <laughs> yeah exactly maybe i need the chaos i'm not sure but and it's interesting that you say that your writing life is you know 30 percent is writing uh, you know but it's it's also because i know that right now you're planning a tour for complicit in the states this summer uh as we're recording this in a, in mid-june of 2023 um you know so you don't make it easy on yourself either because you're you're adding on all these other layers and you're taking on these opportunities and you're doing things yeah and like and again I, I nobody was forcing me to plan my own tour because you know i mean newsflash publishers don't do it for you unless you're a huge name right so so nobody was forcing me to i, I mean my publishers were like oh you know like book tours don't move the needle in terms of sales the way they used to and i'm like okay no that's fine but you know for me you know again i, I only put out a book every few years um you know and complicit is a book that like i am proud of and it's set in new york right um so i mean la as well but it's set in new york so for me to actually like go to New York and do an event there is quite important. Plus, you know, the other hat on, I'm like, oh, I should take social media photos of like the book in New York settings, all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> you know, but it's also like I grew up in New Jersey, so I have a, I have friends in New York, I have friends kind of throughout the Northeast and 
And um, I mean, the amazing thing about writing a book is, you know, you write a book and you haven't seen friends in years or decades, but they read it and then they kind of want to reconnect with you. And and so some of my friends are like, yeah, we'd love to do an event for you in Westchester or, or Philadelphia yeah. or Boston. So I kind of was like, well, all right, well, maybe I'll just get a bunch of different friends to, to help sort of run yeah. events for me. Right. Um, and so for me, that's again, as somebody that hasn't, because of COVID, because of having a kid, because of my parents moving to California, like, I haven't been to the Northeast since 2018, when I was last there to, to promote Dark Chapter. So it is always kind of, it is sort of like a homecoming for me to be able to go to the states where I grew up. And, you know, just to, I'm speaking at a bookshop next to my hometown, because my hometown doesn't have an independent bookshop. Um, and so like a bunch of people from my high school, who I haven't literally seen since I graduated, might be going to that. So you know, for me, it is not just about, you know, being a writer, but it's also about that kind of personal journey you go on as somebody who always wants to write. And, you know, I haven't been back to, you know, that part of the world in a long time. So to come back as a published author with my second book is, yeah, yeah of course, that's meaningful for me. Um, so yeah, it doesn't, it, maybe it won't move sales, move the needle in terms of sales when my publisher wants, but it'll be important for me. So, um, so yeah, for me, it's always, you know, it's a cheesy term, but like, it is about kind of the journey and the experience of, um, kind of embracing everything that that a book gives you because you put so much effort into it. I don't want it to just sort of like sink like a stone. I'd love to have conversations around. I'd love to do more traveling around it. So that's, that's what I've done with this book tour. Um, hopefully. Um, no, that's exciting. Over, and the yeah. word of mouth, you know, is still the best form of marketing um, for books, for plays, for so many things. And it's such a hard thing, but you can't help but think you being in a room, even if people can't be there, they know you're there and they'll talk about it. And that, that can't hurt. That's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I like doing events is the other thing. And, you know, and every author is different. Some people hate doing events. Some people just want to do the writing. But, you know, and we know in this day and age, you know, authors are expected to do more than just the writing. And I guess, thankfully for me, I like doing the other stuff. That's tired of social media, frankly, you know, but um, that's a necessary evil. Um, but yeah, all the other stuff I like doing. And, you know, my books are always quite invested in a theme. It's It's important to look at they're always looking at some kind of inequality in our society, whether that's in the workplace or the inequality of sexual violence or just of who gets to travel and feel safe in America. Um, so, you know, I, I write books because I want them to start discussions, right, yeah. or get people to think yeah. from a different point of view. Um, so, yeah, to be able to have uh, those kinds of discussions and take part of them, um, you know, at events is is important for me. Um you talked earlier about going to crime um, fiction conferences or, or festivals, as they call them in the UK, um, mm -hmm. and finding community. Can you talk about the role community has played in your writing life? Yeah, and I think it's it's something that I think the crime fiction world is especially unique because it does have that community, which is you know, it thrives and exists, you know, offline, but all, you know, online, but then also in, in these spaces. Um, I, I just went to Left Coast Crime for the first time, um, in Tucson, Arizona back in March. And that was, and part of me was like, you know, I'd never been to these big American crime, crime writing conferences, but I knew about them. And I'm like, well, like I was in California for the winter with my family. And I'm like, well, I could also just, we could extend the trip a little bit longer and drive to Tucson. Um, yeah, and it, and it was kind of amazing because it was this very welcoming community. It was quite different in feel um, to kind of the British crime writing festivals. And it's the, the economic model is totally different and the festivals 
oftentimes you're invited as a writer, as an author to speak and they'll pay you a fee and they'll put you up for a night kind of thing and your publisher ideally will pay for your um, travel whereas obviously in, in the US for these crime writing conferences you know you pay your entire way yeah. um, but it is also at the same time it and, and you know I felt with um, with left coast crime because everyone's paid you know hundreds sometimes thousands to be there like they're making the most of it right so they'll stay for like the three days and meet everyone right and talk to everyone whereas with the British model yes you're respected as an artist and you're paid for your work but you're not paid a lot you know you get paid like you know 200 pounds right or that kind of thing um but um but you know you're only you're in and out you're there for a day for a night because we're only gonna mm-hmm. put you up for a night and, and then you're out so you don't get that same kind of community you meet whoever happens to be there but um so yeah i mean so you do find those spaces where community can thrive um but you know it's also authors kind of understand the game i mean my friends who aren't published authors like you know they they think my life is amazing and like on one in one way yeah sure it is because i'm a published author but i'm like do you understand like it's it's like really lonely being an author <laughs> um i'm always trying to figure out what my publisher actually means <laughs> um, we're trying to like fill in the gaps of trying to understand how this relationship with the, with the publisher is going to work or you know um so the and and there's no kind of guidebook, right? And you oftentimes don't really have a mentor. It's not like you're in a company where somebody's like mentoring you or you have a boss. Like you basically have to figure a lot of stuff out on your own. So that's where community is really important because other authors can give you advice or can they, they can give mm-hmm. you their examples. And then you're like, oh no, okay. So I don't feel completely alone because other people have been through this. So I think, um, yeah. So I've only just recently joined Sisters in Crime a few months ago. I've been, and Crime Writers of, um, of Color, another community I've kind of been involved in online. Um, yeah, just the kind of wealth of advice and support out there is great. Um, and it's hard because as a novelist, um, you're very much on your own. So unless you kind of reach out and become part of these communities, you often don't find what you're looking for. And you can feel quite lonely in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you shouldn't, you know, I think sometimes people wait till they have a contract or wait, you know, as soon as you say to yourself, I want to be a writer, find writers <laughs> to talk yeah. to, because it just, it is a hard thing to figure out it really is yeah Um, Yeah. well you've obviously have figured it out um or and keep you know keep attempting uh to to challenge yourself in such interesting ways so um i really appreciate this conversation and look forward to uh the next book yeah well thanks a lot julie yeah i mean i'm complicit it's out now in paperback and then like 2025 for um, what I think is going to get called Mother Road, but we haven't completely decided. We'll and there's, yeah, there's a teaser of that actually at the back of Complicit in the paperback. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. Cool. So now you really do have to finish this because they've teased it and yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can't, can't sort of change your mind and say, you no. know, I'm actually going to write that other book. <laughs> yeah, no, it's set in stone. It's, it's published. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Winnie, thank you so much for a great conversation. Yeah, thanks so much, Julie. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.